Hi, I'm Matt Taylor and welcome to Dark Folklore, a podcast that looks into the folklore, places and people in our history that prove that we have constantly been creating folklore to match the world we live in. Today we're going to be looking into a creature from creepypasta folklore that has a similar origin to undoubtedly the most famous of these modern folkloric creations. Created in the age of the internet forum, before having its mythology expanded, and ultimately manifesting into the real world, due to alleged eyewitness reports of this strangely human-like crawling entity. Today, we are exploring the Rake. In an origin eerily similar to that of the Slenderman, the mythic creature known as the Rake originally evolved out of a 2005 thread on 4chan, where an anonymous poster on the B-board suggested that contributors try to collaboratively come up with ideas for a new monster. After some initial back-and-forth discussion, one particular idea was chosen as the most promising candidate, and began to be formed, added to, and manipulated by several users. The descriptions of this creature, which went through numerous permutations before finally settling, shared some characteristics with the commonly accepted rake image that is widespread today. However, there were also some glaring differences. For example, the original suggestions called for three eyes, while the most common vision of the rake only has two, and the creature would also lack other facial features, having, for example, a missing nose or mouth. The first story to feature the rake appeared on Brian Somerville's personal blog on July 20th, 2006. Somerville, who was a regular user of the Something Awful site, the very same site that a user known as Victor Surge created the first Slenderman images, provided a backstory for the rake, and with his story, cemented some of the more commonly accepted features of the creature's appearance. The story indicates that sightings of rake-like creatures date back as far as the 12th century, that the first records of the creature are from the 17th century, and that the creature can be linked to unexplained phenomena and sightings of cryptid-like beings in the northeastern United States. The original rake creepypasta goes as follows. During the summer of 2003, events in the northeastern United States involving a strange, human-like creature sparked brief local media interest before an apparent blackout was enacted. Little or no information was left intact, as most online and written accounts of the creature were mysteriously destroyed. Primarily focused in rural New York State and once found in Idaho, self-proclaimed witnesses told stories of their encounters with a creature of unknown origin. Emotions ranged from extremely traumatic levels of fright and discomfort to an almost childlike sense of playfulness and curiosity. While their published versions are no longer on record, the memories remained powerful. Several of the involved parties began looking for answers that year. In early 2006, the collaboration had accumulated nearly two dozen documents, dating between the 12th century and present day, spanning over four continents. In almost all cases, the stories were identical. I've been in contact with a member of this group, and was able to get some excerpts from their upcoming book. A Suicide Note, 1964 
As I prepare to take my life, I feel it necessary to assuage any guilt or pain I have introduced through this act. It is not the fault of anyone other than him, for once I awoke and felt his presence, and once I awoke and saw his form, once again I awoke and heard his voice and looked into his eyes. I cannot sleep without fear of what I might next awake to experience. I cannot ever awake. I cannot ever wake. Goodbye. Found in the same wooden box were two empty envelopes addressed to William and Rose and one loose personal letter with no envelope. Dearest Linny, I have prayed for you. He spoke your name. A journal entry, translated from Spanish, 1880. I have experienced the greatest terror. I have experienced the greatest terror. I have experienced the greatest terror. I see his eyes when I close mine. They are hollow, black. They saw me and pierced me. His wet hand. I will not sleep. His voice. The remainder of the text is unintelligible. A mariner's log. 1691. He came to me in my sleep. From the foot of my bed I felt a sensation. He took everything. We must return to England. We shall not return here again at the request of the rake. From a witness. 2006. Three years ago I had just returned from a trip from Niagara Falls with my family for the 4th of July. We were all very exhausted after a long day of driving so my husband and I put the kids right to bed and called it a night. At about 4am, I woke up thinking my husband had gotten up to use the restroom. I used the moment to steal back the sheets, only to wake him in the process. I apologised and told him I thought he had gotten out of bed. When he turned to face me, he gasped and pulled his feet up from the end of the bed so quickly his knee almost knocked me out of the bed. Then he grabbed me and said nothing. After adjusting to the dark for half a second, I was able to see what caused the strange reaction. At the foot of the bed, sitting and facing away from us, there was what appeared to be a naked man, or a large hairless dog of some sort. Its body position was disturbing and unnatural, as if it had been hit by a car or something. For some reason, I was not instantly frightened by it, but more concerned as to its condition. At this point, I was somewhat under the assumption that we were supposed to help him. My husband was peering over his arm and knee, tucked into the fetal position, occasionally glancing at me before returning to the creature. In a flurry of motion, the creature scrambled around the side of the bed and then crawled quickly in a flailing sort of motion right along the bed until it was less than a foot from my husband's face. The creature was completely silent for about 30 seconds, or probably closer to five, it just seemed like a while, just looking at my husband. The creature then placed its hand on his knee and ran into the hallway, leading to the kids' rooms. I screamed and ran for the light switch, planning to stop him before he hurt my children. When I got to the hallway, the light from the bedroom was enough to see it crouching and hunched over about 20 feet away. He turned and looked directly at me, covered in blood. I flipped the switch on the wall and saw my daughter Clara. The creature ran down the stairs while my husband and I rushed to help our daughter. She was very badly injured and spoke only once more in her short life. She said, He is the rake. My husband drove his car into a lake that night 
while rushing our daughter to the hospital, he did not survive. Being a small town, news got around pretty quickly. The police were helpful at first, and the local newspaper took a lot of interest as well. However, the story was never published, and the local television news never followed up either. For several months, my son Justin and I stayed in a hotel near my parents' house. After we decided to return home, I began looking for answers myself. I eventually located a man in the next town over who had a similar story. We got in contact and began talking about our experiences. He knew of two other people in New York who had seen the creature we now referred to as the Rake. It took the four of us about two solid years of hunting on the internet and writing letters to come up with a small collection of what we believed to be accounts of the Rake. None of them gave any details, history or follow-up. One journal had an entry involving the creature in its first three pages and then never mentioned it again. A ship's log explained nothing of the encounter, saying only that they were told to leave by the rake. That was the last entry in the log. There were, however, many instances where the creature's visit was one of a series of visits with the same person. Multiple people also mentioned being spoken to, my daughter included. This led us to wonder if the rake had visited any of us before our last encounter. I set up a digital recorder near my bed and left it running all night, every night, for two weeks. I would tediously scan through the sounds of me rolling around in my bed each day when I woke up. By the end of the second week, I was quite used to the occasional sound of sleep while blurring through the recording at eight times the normal speed. This still took almost an hour every day. On the first day of the third week, I thought I heard something different. What I found was a shrill voice. It was the rake. I can't listen to it long enough to even begin to transcribe it. I haven't let anyone listen to it yet. All I know is that I've heard it before, and I now believe that it spoke when I was sitting in front of my husband. I don't remember hearing anything at the time, but for some reason, the voice on the recorder immediately brings me back to that moment. The thoughts that must have gone through my daughter's head make me very upset. I have not seen the rake since he ruined my life, but I know that he has been in my room while I slept. I know and fear that one night I'll wake up to see him staring at me. By late 2008, rake stories appeared on LiveJournal. The story and variants featuring the rake appeared on Something Awful and 4chan by the following year, and first appeared on the Paranormal subreddit in 2010. It later found its way onto Creepypasta forums and began to increase in its popularity. The rake is described as a strange pale-skinned creature that stalks its victims on all fours and has an appearance that somewhat resembles a mutated dog, which harkens to the image of the dogman that is thought to roam North America or even a twist on the Wendigo myth of Native American culture. The fanged and taloned creature is said to commonly live in woods or forested areas. However, the spread of the character online and the resulting lack of common rules around its habitat or behaviours means that it now has a far wider presence, moving away from the woods and forests to be found in more urban areas, and even repeating the common creepypasta trope of appearing at the end of people's beds or in their rooms at night. The common consensus on the creature's appearance shows it to have large bulbous eyes that are reflective when caught in the light of a camera. 
a drooping jaw with a large fang-filled mouth, and often either a nose that is missing entirely, or which is simply an open socket, similar to that of a skull. The creature is usually shown naked and crawling toward the viewer on all fours, suggesting that though it is bipedal, it prefers to stalk victims in a manner similar to a four-legged animal. The matter of the rake's appearance is an interesting one that is linked directly to the myth's origins and development, and to an image that had even the mainstream media duped. A common misconception is that the appearance of the rake is based off the widely shared image of a creature with glowing eyes staring into the camera of a deer hunter that is sometimes referred to as the Berwick Monster. This image, which is now the one most closely associated with the rake mythology and the common starting point from which most rake fan art and variants had arrived, was actually taken seriously by mainstream media outlets when it first appeared. The still image, alleged to have been extracted from the memory card of a now broken night vision camera, was posted to the Wild Game Innovation site by someone claiming to have actually encountered the creature. The image and story of the strange encounter was then picked up by media outlets as widespread as Britain's The Daily Mail and NBC, which featured the image in a brief report on the alleged sighting on its morning show. However, rather than this image influencing the initial ideas of the rake's appearance, the timeline seems to indicate that the rake stories were retrospectively linked to this image, since discussions about the creature's appearance, Somerville's original story, and the first postings to major creepypasta and paranormal sites predate the image's creation and appearance in news media. The association of the image with the character can most likely be attributed to the fact that the image itself appeared in the same month as a single topic blog Tumblr account, hoping to gather together all of the fan art, copypasta, and citing reports into one place, with fans of the rake story or those encountering it for the first time conflating the image with the story, in an association that would continue to the present. Incidentally, despite some sites claiming that the Berwick monster photograph has never been authenticated or debunked, the image, which went viral and was spread on various platforms with posters alleging it to be real, remains contentious even to this day, with some people claiming that it was in fact meant to be a depiction of a Grimm from the game Resistance 3, and it was originally released by the company responsible for the game, though Insomniac Games denied that this is true. The Rake is most commonly linked with the 2006 Fallen Angel of Catalonia footage, which, though is revealed to be a hoax, bears some striking resemblance to the later Berwick monster photograph. Most interestingly, and also creepily, people have started reporting real-life encounters with the strange, crawling, pale humanoid creature, with many calling these unknown cryptids the real-life rake. This first encounter comes from Philly 100 who posted their story on darkstories.org about an encounter in 2014 in the Olympic Peninsula. My brother, his ex, our friend Lauren, my two dogs and I took a road trip from Orcas Island, WA, out to the Olympic Peninsula back in 2014. We camped out the first night in the rain, and the next night we drove down to La Push. This is coincidentally where the Twilight movies were filmed. We arrived at our destination, a place called Third Beach, around 4pm, and saw that there were no dog signs posted everywhere. 
The girls tried to convince me to leave my dogs in the car, but I just wasn't going to do that. My dogs are like my children. I love them and take them with me everywhere I go. While we were talking, my dogs just kept staring out into the dense foliage, which was kind of spooking me out. But we decided we'd take our chances with the dogs and started down the trail. I noticed that it was totally silent. There were no birds singing, no insects chirping. I mean, you could literally hear a pin drop. Yeah, the kind of silence that makes your ears ring. My dogs kept stopping and staring out into the forest, which had the trail boxed into either side of us. It got so bad, I had to leash them up just to keep them moving. We got down to the beach and Lauren took her clothes off and ran to the ocean. We set camp right up against the woods because we could see that the tide came in all the way into where the beach met the forest. So we had a little island of sand to pitch our tent and get a little fire going. It was still eerily quiet, but we had a small portable speaker with us, so we played some music to lighten the mood. It got dark and we started to settle down for the night. The girls went to bed and my brother and I stayed up drinking beer. We weren't drunk or anything, just enjoying a couple delicious Rainer beers before turning in for the night. Because of how close we were to the woods, I had the ocean to my back and was facing the forest. We could hear something moving around, but we thought it was just raccoons because there were quite a few of them in that area. My dogs started growling and raising their hackles, so I figured I would try to see what it was. I turned on my headlamp and to my horror, I could see two eyes looking back at me. The eye shine was a milky white in the dim light cast from my headlamp. They looked like two twin moons, marbles the size of a fist and about four to five inches apart. We didn't have any guns or anything, so we started shouting and throwing rocks and sticks at the thing, thinking maybe it was a mountain lion or something. It turned its head away and you could see how big it was by the profile of the eyes, making them look even more like big, perfectly round marbles. We could hear it crashing off into the brush and we went into the tent. The girls sleepily asked us what the hell was going on out there, and we told them that we had chased off some raccoons, not wanting to scare them. I couldn't sleep a wink after that. My dogs kept growling and whining, and I could hear sticks snapping in the woods, not ten feet from the tent. It sounded like something was walking right up to the tent, and then it paused, before slowly pressing what looked like a stick into the tent flap. The dogs were growling so low and loud, it sounded like we had a diesel engine in there with us, and I don't think any of us were asleep when my dog snapped at the stick or whatever, causing it to withdraw, and we could hear the thing walk back off into the woods. What was weird was it sounded like it was dragging something in the sand behind it, it finally started getting light out, and so we got up and tried to enjoy the beach for the day. My dogs were chasing seagulls, and we made some breakfast, before making our way down to the beach toward the coastal waterfall that we could see a couple miles south from our campsite. While we were walking, we noticed the tide was coming in very quickly. We didn't even make it to the waterfall, before the tide forced us up onto a big pile of driftwood. The undertow is strong there, and there's also a phenomena known as sneaker waves, which can come out of nowhere and can pull you out into the current. The waves were breaking on the driftwood and I was worried my dogs were going to get pulled under, so we decided to try and enter the woods and make our way back to the campsite from there. 
This was no easy feat, as the woods are so thick and overgrown that it makes bushwhacking very difficult. We made our way into the brush and it got extremely quiet again. We could no longer hear the sound of the waves on the beach, and just then, a small branch fell into the brush right in front of me. I looked up just in time to see what looked like a giant, pale white tadpole swinging from tree to tree above us. I say swinging because it had what looked like two arms, but its body was like an overgrown slug or something. I only caught the one brief glimpse and no one else had seen it, so I thought maybe my eyes were just playing tricks on me. This is home to the infamous banana slug after all, but this thing was way too big to be a slug, and slugs don't have arms, right? We could hardly move through the dense coastal undergrowth, and it sounded like something was swinging through the trees in circles around us. My dogs were barking and running in circles chasing the sound of whatever this thing was that was making all that racket. Lauren started crying because she thought we were lost, and between the branches breaking and the dogs barking, we were all a bit stressed out. A big branch broke right above us, and that thing fell down from the tree right on top of me. I felt a searing pain in my shoulder and reached up to pull this thing off of me. It was about the size of a dog, maybe 40 or 50 pounds, but the head was massive and its teeth were still stuck in my shoulder. I could feel warm blood running down my back. My dogs both flapped up and started biting and scratching this thing, which made it release its grip on my shoulder. I threw it off into the bush and my dogs chased after it. What the heck was that? My brother exclaimed. I don't know, man. Let's just get the hell out of here, I replied. The girls were really freaking out now, but we started crashing through the woods, running as fast as we could, incurring not a few cuts and scratches in the process. I was shouting at the top of my lungs for my dogs, who still hadn't returned yet. Finally, I saw them up in front of us. They had the thing treed. It was about 20 feet up in a tree, and it was hissing and spitting down at them. It looked up when it saw me, and let out a horrible high-pitched shriek. It sounded like a megaphone being played through an amplifier, and it made me want to puke. I could see it clearly now. It was holding onto the tree with what looked like long claws attached to its thin bony arms. The tail, if you can call it that, was wrapped around the tree and its head looked vaguely human, but this thing was anything but. Its eyes were clearly the same as the thing we'd seen the night before, big milky white marble-like eyes that seemed to ooze spite and malice. It had translucent skin that was stretched tight across its skull. It had no nose or ears that I could see, but its mouth was huge and still red with blood from biting my shoulder. I could see rows of tiny little teeth and it had a long pointed tongue that it was using to hiss and spit at the dogs. I picked up a rock the size of a baseball and biting through the pane, I beamed it right at the thing, hitting it square in the face. It shrieked again and jumped out of the tree. As soon as it hit the ground, it started using its arms to crawl toward me, but the dogs were fast and pinned the thing down, biting and tearing with all their might. It tried to fight back, but these dogs were a combined weight of at least 150 pounds, and they regularly killed small animals, so they had a taste for blood, and they were going berserk. I'm not sure if they killed this thing or what, but it wasn't moving, so I grabbed my dogs by their collars and we got the heck out of there. 
We made it back to the beach where my brother and the girls were already grabbing our things. We tore up the trail and threw the stuff in the back of my truck before peeling out of there. We'd only gone about 50 yards when that thing threw itself out into the road in front of us. I didn't have time to react, but we could feel it go under the tyres. But when I looked back in the rearview mirror, I couldn't see it. I figured it had just crawled off into the bush and kept driving. I wish I could say that was the end of it. We drove straight through to Tacoma. Tacoma has a rather sketchy reputation, and so we tried to bring as much of our gear as we could into the room. Well, I'll be damned. That thing had been clinging to the undercarriage that entire time, and now it was crawling up from under the truck and onto the tailgate. Luckily, the dogs were still in the bed of the truck, so they immediately started charging and biting the thing. It fell off and started crawling toward me again, its hideous face mangled and mean. My dogs jumped out of the bed of the truck and commenced to tear this thing to shreds. Now, I knew it was dead, as the dogs had bitten right through the neck, separating the head from the rest of the body. We called the cops, but no one ever came. The motel must have thought it was just some old roadkill or something, but we didn't stick around to find out. We dropped Lauren off at the SeaTac airport and drove straight back to Anacortes to catch the ferry home. I don't know if this thing was a crawler or rake or what. I always thought that was just the stuff of nightmares, an urban legend if you will. But those legends have to come from something, right? An anonymous poster also shared their story on Dark Stories in 2019, which seems to link the creature to more paranormal than natural activity. This summer, I was dealing with the paranormal on a daily basis. I'm in my late teens and live in a heavily wooded area in Colorado. Every night, objects would move on their own. I would see dark figures out the corner of my eye. But things escalated. I started waking up with cuts and scratches on my body, and every time I was alone, I would have an unshakable feeling of dread that would grow worse and worse until someone showed up. I'm pagan, so I started doing regular cleansings, blessings and such on my house, which made things a little better. But eventually, the activity would just rise up again. I started to notice a figure out of the windows at night, but when I tried to get a better look at it, the thing would vanish. All I could really see was that it had pale grey skin, had no hair or fur, and it was really skinny, literally skin and bones. One night, I decided to take a hot bath to calm myself down a bit. I lit up a cigarette and tried to just fall into a relaxed state, not thinking about what I had been going through lately. That overwhelming feeling of dread suddenly came over me. I tried to brush it off as me being paranoid, but it only got worse. My bathroom needed some retouching at the time, so the window didn't have any curtains or blinds covering them. I opened my eyes to put out my cigarette. When I glanced over at the reflective faucet on the tub, I realised that the dread I was feeling was warranted. I saw the faucet reflecting the window, and in the window there was that same terrifying figure from before. I knew I needed to get the hell out of there. I grabbed a towel, trying not to panic. Stupid of me, I looked out of the window on instinct and saw the thing in full detail. The rake. It was trying to open the window and staring straight at me. The part that will always haunt me is that it had no eyes, just two black holes. 
but it was very clear that it was staring at me. If you google the rake and click on images, you'll find exactly what I saw that night. Pale, humanoid features, black mouth that seems unhinged, extremely skinny, all of that. I ran out of the bathroom. Needless to say, I did not sleep that night. I wish my story ended there, but it didn't. A few weeks ago I was sleeping soundly, cuddled up next to my cat, when a knocking sound on my bedroom window woke me up. At first I thought it was just a confused bird or something. The knocking started off very light and rhythmic, but as I ignored it, it grew more rapid and lost its rhythm. Within a few minutes, it was intense enough to shake my bed a little. My cat became curious. She went over to the window and pulled the curtain open to take a look. The moment she saw what was out there, her tail got puffy, and she ran as fast as she could to hide under my bed. I honestly don't know what she saw that night at this point, and I really wish that I never find out. So, has the rake bled through into our reality? For an internet monster that has evolved in both appearance and lore over a relatively short time period, anything is possible. All I know is that we have created another instance of dark folklore. The Dark Folklore podcast was written, researched and performed by Matt Taylor, with music from Incomtech. For more content, check out Brimstone below on YouTube and Instagram, and to contact the show, email darkfolklorepod at gmail.com.